Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 338. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. All right. This week on the show, we'll be reviewing Alejandro Landes' Monos. We'll also be talking about someone watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember to please consider reviewing us on iTunes if you get a chance. That would be incredible. A couple housekeeping bits before we jump into our review. Uh, no Ryan watches a movie this week. We're still trying to get that get that going again. Hopefully, hopefully next week. I think he watched. We gave him a movie like a month ago, and I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure he watched it. We just need to nail him down and record something. Yes. Uh, new Save by the '90s is being recorded later today, so I'm hoping to have that up sometime next week, maybe the middle of maybe the middle of uh, this week, rather. I'm hoping maybe Wednesday, but no guarantees on that. Just keep an eye on our Twitter, at 90sPod, and I'll be announcing the release date for that. Uh, good. I'm pretty excited. For this month, we're going to be doing mob movies. So There you go. Yeah. Can you believe four mob movies were released in September of 1990? One month, one year, four movies. Wow. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. And finally, we are in the midst of prepping our Halloween show. I just want to start plugging it now because this might be, maybe this is the most ambitious show that we've done yet. I don't know. What do you think? Maybe. Perhaps. We're doing a special. Feels like it. Yeah, we're doing a special crossover where we're going to have two parts. So the first part is going to be the weekly show. And then the second part is going to be say by the nineties and it's going to be centered around one theme. I'm not ready to reveal the theme yet. That's going to be a surprise, but we're going to have, we're going to have eight movies total and we're going to have uh, Kevin's going to come on the say by the nineties. Ken is going to come on the weekly show. And we're going to have a special guest also. So really, really excited for this Halloween show. We have a lot of prep work to do and a lot of movies to watch. I think, I think now that I agree that it is ambitious because I'm just, I'm feeling the regret. Well, you have plenty of time. That's why I want to. Do I? Yeah. Do I? You have plenty of time. Do I? Do I? This isn't going to come out until Halloween. So you have like more than a month. All right, let's get into our review. We're talking about Monos. Now, this came out last week, I believe. It is currently playing in limited release. And as I mentioned, it is uh, written and directed by Alejandro Landes. I have a synopsis here. On a faraway mountaintop, eight kids with guns watch over a hostage and a conscripted milk cow. Named Shakira, by the way. The cow's named Shakira. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin, what did you think of Monos? Man, I don't know. I want to be completely honest. I don't know. Uh, it, it didn't really invite any like investigation on my end, you know, to really think about this movie. Um, it's beautiful in certain places. It's got some nice shots. Great location. Fantastic location. Uh, the score is pretty, pretty phenomenal. But it's... 
it's a big show, really, really hollow. It's just not a whole lot going on outside of just like the big six, you know, the young kids that are sculptures. And that's what, at least the degradation. I, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure we've seen that before. Yeah, numerous did. times over. It's nothing new, really. Yeah, it's very. It feels very reminiscent of Lord of the Flies. It, it definitely has that Lord of the Flies vibe to me, where you have these. I mean, they're they're not like stranded on a deserted island or anything, but for for a large portion, they are in sort of this jungle environment, and it very much feels like they're alone in the world, even though we know they're not, and even though we sometimes see more adults. For the most part, it's these children who are sort of running the show. The first thing that I noticed was just how ridiculously gorgeous the backdrop is. I mean, every man, every scene is just incredible. Like the from the beginning when they're in sort of the like those like the mossy hills to when they are in the jungle and you have like the like that river and everything. It's just, everything is just so crazy gorgeous in this movie, especially like when you see them, you know, standing on these mountaintops, like in silhouette, and it looks like they're above the clouds, you know, the, the clouds are beneath yeah. them yeah. where they're standing. And uh, just everything as far as the visuals goes is really, really incredible. And, you know, I was like, thinking to myself man i i bet i mean i don't i don't know for sure but it seems like this was probably a really hard movie to make uh like logistically i mean you're shooting in these pretty pretty harsh environments at times and like all the actors like everything just feels so dirty and sweaty Mm -hmm. and gross in this movie a lot of mud yeah a lot of mud Everything is wet all the time, and I, I can't imagine it was a, a very fun movie to shoot, but at the same time, I think that that aided in the overall like aesthetic of it, made it, made it feel all the more kind of gritty and real, but uh, there's a lot of sort of um, almost surreal moments to it as well. You have these like kind of weird, weird sequences yeah. and it's got like a little bit of like magical realism type deal. Yeah, Is that what you're thinking of, maybe? Yeah, yeah. which I it could use it could have used more of that. Honestly, it could have used a little bit more creativity. Yeah, like you're in the there you're in the middle of this war, but they never really say like what this is or what's going on. You're just you're like why they had who, who, their hostages, why they have a hostage, right? Why I mean, they're there? Yeah. So, so Julianne Nicholson plays the the hostage, Doctor Sarah Watson, Doctora. So we know we know she's an engineer. We learn that, but yeah. why why they have her? We don't really know it seems like the the children are in some sort of like freedom fighter like rebel group maybe going up against the government of whatever country they're in i don't know 
is it supposed to no is it supposed to be columbia though because it didn't seem like like to me it didn't seem like it was supposed to be any specific Uh, country true yeah i guess they didn't specifically say outright like to me it was just supposed to be this nondescript random country but I, I I don't know. Maybe it was very specifically or explicitly. Maybe Columbia. But I think the main takeaway is supposed to be: Did you know that war will fuck with your mind? Have you ever thought about that? And what they do to children specifically? Like we've seen this before, right? We've seen the the idea of. Uh, the, the exploration of children in war, children forced into very adult situations and acting like adults, but they're children. So they, you know, th- those, that level of immaturity comes through as well. And I mean, we've just seen it a lot before. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the, the old loss of humanity, compassion out the window. Right. And, you know, and then someone takes some drugs, and we got a little trippy sequence there. So we got a little, got a little drug sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always fun to force in there too. Yeah, I was not a fan of that. No, that's pretty much where it lost me completely. Like up until that point, I was just like, okay, this isn't really my cup of tea, but it's not terrible. And yeah. then they were like, oh, there's mushrooms and shit, and they just eat mushrooms that are caked in shit. And then they do the, you know, the whole drug sequence and no, no. Yeah. I mean, I think if there's one thing that we learned from this movie is that these kids are gross and, <laughs> and, uh, they, they like to kiss each other, but it's like not regular kissing. It's always kind of like this really weird, gross kissing that they're, that they're doing. <laughs> there's like significantly more weird kissing than I expected to see in this movie. I didn't. I didn't recognize any of the kissing as overly weird. Maybe. So maybe, maybe I wasn't paying attention. I don't know. Maybe it's just not necessarily weird, but maybe just it made me feel very uncomfortable. Like all the kissing scenes made me feel uncomfortable for some reason. There was a lot of kissing for some reason. Now that I think about it, there was a there's a lot of characters kissing each other. A lot of experimentation happening. These are these are yeah. adolescents here. And you have that whole thing with like two of them becoming partners at one point, Wolf and I uh, can't remember. Lady. Lady? Yeah. Wolf and yeah. Lady. <laughs> A lot of creativity in the names. Yeah. You got Rambo, Bigfoot, Swede. Boom, boom. Boom, dog. boom. Dog. Yep. Lady. Wolf. Yep. Doctor. Smurf. Yeah, Smurf. I can't believe I almost forgot about Smurf. Can't forget about Smurf. Smurf was what, what was he, like nine? Yeah, he oh, was a Smurf. Yeah, he was very young. Very young. Yeah. So war's an unforgiving uh condition. I feel like I'm i I'm sounding like I didn't like this movie, but I, I did think it was fine. I there were a number of sequences that, that I did enjoy. I think you know, when when everything kind of fell apart after they tied up Smurf and uh, the the doctor 
escaped and and um uh who was uh was it oh it was Rambo after Rambo escaped and like that whole sequence of them trying to find him I don't know I I, I felt all that was well done yeah I mean it's 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 solid filmmaking it's competent filmmaking it's just that what it is is just not I mean for me anyways it's just not compelling in any way whatsoever. But visually, yeah, I mean, it's enjoyable enough for the eyes. Sure. And I thought the performances across the board were really good, too. Uh, you, you have a lot of kind of newish people in in this movie. And then, of course, I already mentioned Julianne Nicholson. And then you have Moises Arias as Bigfoot. Which, that was the thing that that got me because I kept, you know, I'm watching, I'm like, this guy looks so familiar to me. And it's that fucking kid from, what is it, the Kings of Summer? Yeah, Kings that of Summer. That kid? Yeah. That's fucking nuts. That's wild. <laughs> That's more interesting than anything that happens in this goddamn movie. Kings of Summer. He was also uh, probably most known for his Disney Channel stuff. He was on Wizards of Waverly Place and Hannah Montana. He's, I did not know that. Yeah, he was one of the main characters in Hannah Montana. I don't know if he was like a brother, maybe, or I don't know, friend. I never saw that show, but... Breaking out. He's trying to be seen in a different light. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. <laughs> Everyone's good. They're good. They're all fine. It's fine. It's, it's just difficult because, I mean, for me anyways, it's just this there's, there's not a whole lot there to really talk about, so we could really dive into, you know? Yeah, I, I did find my attention waning during the sort of interstitial moments, like just like the, the moments in between, like kind of the bigger action sequences, like the like when, when they get attacked, and like I thought all those moments were really good and exciting, but... It was at all those in between times when they're just like fucking around, when they're just kids, you know, fucking around, mm-hmm. doing random, like rubbing mud all over themselves and wrestling and kissing. And <laughs> shoot, <laughs> shooting guns. It's just those scenes, while I understand why they were there, you know, sh- yeah, makes sense. Sh- yeah. show- showing that these are kids doing an undesirable job in the middle of a war. And I, I totally get that, but it doesn't make for really interesting viewing no. to me. No, no, not at all. And especially when the, you know, the main crux of your movie is just, Hey, war's tough on kids and people in general. And you're like, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's about 600 movies maybe <laughs> that have already discussed that. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, there was a cow for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Cause I thought that was going to play more of a, a role, but it didn't. Yeah. I mean, it did lend itself to yeah. some pretty pivotal moments but yeah it's just it's 
felt it felt like like the filmmaker here it feels like he he thinks he made something very impactful, powerful, important, but it's it's not really. It's just a great location and some kids dicking around with guns. <laughs> Wrestling, <laughs> some mud, the, the weird kissing, that kind of thing. It, it certainly has its moments. It is powerful at times, but I would say the, the overall themes and the execution just uh, is, leaves a little bit to be desired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, any final thoughts on Monos? The score, I think, to me, outside of the location, I mean, you can't beat that location. That was pretty phenomenal. But the score, I thought, was really great. But I also found that to be a little, um, a little frustrating because a lot of times the music kind of gave this false sense of like, oh, something's going to happen. Mm. This mm-hmm. is going to be, this is going to be pivotal. And then like nothing, you know, it, it felt like it was in the background, kind of like building up these scenes that really didn't amount to anything at all. Yeah. The, the score was composed by Mika Levy, who did Jackie and she did under the skin. And Marjorie prime. Marjorie prime. Yeah. That's a good movie. All right, that's Manos. That's playing in theaters right now. So if you're looking for some really visually stunning locales, give it a look. <laughs> Kevin, what are you going to give Manos? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to give it a... Mm, this is a tough one. I'm going to say a, a four and a half. It's getting a five and a half from me. Okay. All right, let's move on and talk about some we've been watching on the watch list. Kevin, what are you what are you watching? <laughs> uh, I can't remember. Did, did I talk about Change for Life? Do you remember? It's been a while. I don't think so. Okay. Well, I saw that, and it's really good. So if you get a chance to see Aaron Schimberg's Change for Life, you, you should do that. It's one of... Uh, it's up there. It's one of my, my favorite movies of this year. A little bit of a... Keep it, keeping that un, under the skin thread going with Adam Pearson. Oh, yes. There you go. Segway. Incredible. You see how my mind works? I'm not even aware of it sometimes. <laughs> it's just, it just does it on its own. Yeah, so Eric, uh, Adam Pearson is in there. He's playing a... He's, a, he's an actor named Rosenthal. And he's hired. This is it's a film that's about making of the film, right? Which are always the kind of like it's a sweet spot for me. I don't know why. It's just like this movie's kind of like behind the scenes stuff. People trying to make movies. And he's hired one and he's playing this he's on this like ensemble cast of this like this 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 freak show, right? So he has he has to share a bunch of scenes with uh, Jess Wexler, who is like the star of the movie. So there's that there's that main bit of them making the movie, and then you have everything behind the scenes of them trying to like you know work through lines and all that and trying to build like a relationship, a working relationship with each other. But then the something that kind of twisted a little bit is the the majority of the cast stays in the hotel at night, 
everyone that's in the, the freak show ensemble has to stay in this abandoned hospital that they're shooting at in order to guard all the equipment. So they're kind of like segregated off. So what they decided to do is like, well, fuck this. We have all the equipment. Let's just start making our own movies. So then you get all these little short films that they make too. So it's always like blending between those two worlds. And then there's like dream, dream sequences that you don't know or dream sequences, all that type of stuff. So there's a whole lot going on. And all of it is good in my my eyes. Yeah, I've been meaning to give this a look. That's Chain for Life. I guess I'll start with Toy Story 4. Finally caught up with this one. Ooh. I don't have a lot to say about it. I liked it. This is directed by Josh Cooley, by the way. Uh, I didn't like it as much as Toy Story 3. Uh, I never saw Toy Story 2, actually, so can't compare it to that one. But uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. There were some really funny moments. Um, but o- overall, I thought it was just okay. I didn't. It didn't blow me away or anything. It didn't, like leave me in tears like Toy Story 3 did, but it was still just a lot of fun to come back to these these characters and getting into getting into some new hijinks. So, I, I'm glad it was released. I still think that Toy Story 3 was the perfect end point to the yeah. to the series. But the way that this one ended, uh I thought was was a good send-off as well. Is there part of you that wishes they just ended at three? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It it was still fun to come back to these characters and get get into some new, you know, like you had Forky, then the new the new toy, and he was really funny. And you have you have a few other new toys in there, like uh Keegan Michael Key and Jordan Peele playing these like uh carnival plush toys and they were really funny he's like bunnies and you have keanu reeves in there playing this like stuntman toy like sort of a a uh, evil knievel or super dave type toy <laughs> actually i think it's like based off of the evil knievel stunt bike that came out in like the 70s gotcha and he was he was pretty funny too so yeah uh I also watched a, a couple of terrible horror movies, you know, jumping on horror movies early and, uh, you know, just making bad decisions left and right. <laughs> <laughs> I can give you some and, suggestions. Oh, I know. I know. I like, I have, I have them too, but it's just this like, you know, jumping on. And that's another thing. The, the, the streaming, options that you have horror movie wise which i think for like most people okay they might be they might be decent but pretty much everything on netflix or amazon or whatever i've seen the good stuff so what they have after that is not good at all the the streaming offerings uh, horror offerings on amazon and and netflix are not great i think that's why most people just subscribe to shutter for their horror fix yeah especially netflix oh boy netflix is really bad yeah they used to have a really good horror selection but something happened i don't know 
maybe, I don't know what happened either. Maybe it's like Shutter is just buying up all the rights to these movies or something. Because the Shutter library just keeps growing and growing and growing. Well, one I watched, which I just made a connection here, which is interesting, is uh, I watched Mercy Black, directed by Owen Edgerton. And this is the guy that did Bloodfest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bloodfest. <laughs> we just tossed up to like last week or something. Yeah. So, uh, Mercy Black is, um, it's not good. It's not good at all. It's kind of has this like Slender Man feel to it. Like they're kind of banking off of that because it's these, these two little girls take one of their friends out into the wood, kind of sacrifice her to bring Mercy Black into flesh and blood to help them. And, uh, Years later, the one girl gets released and she's trying to, you know, move on with her life. And the whole Mercy Black thing just keeps coming back. Now, the main thing, the main issue with this movie is that for the longest time, it really doesn't do anything. Like, it's not interested in scaring you. It's not really interested in entertaining you. That I can tell, it's just like, it's just simply existing for like an hour, which is just an interesting choice, I will say. I mean, what, what made you decide? Like, what made you pick this? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think, honestly, with the ultimate reasoning was one of us just saying, oh, fuck, just pick something. Uh, and we just clicked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the classic Netflix looking for something to watch. You just, at a certain point, you realize that you've been doing it for 20 minutes. Yeah. So either you pick something or your night's over and you just go to bed. <laughs> Which, going to bed might have been the okay option. Probably would have been better. It's got, it, 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 the funny thing is that they like try to make up for it at the end where all of a sudden it becomes Twist City. There's twists left and right. All sorts of twisties happening. But uh, it's just, they, this twists are never to anything interesting. I never even all never, right. I never even <laughs> heard of this movie. <laughs> Me either. And I'm also learning that this is from this year. This is from 2019. Yeah, that's what it says on Letterbox. And this is a whatchamacallit. Um, what is it? Is it Blumhouse? Is that their name? Blumhouse. Blumhouse? Yeah, it's a Blumhouse production. Interesting. I think it is was one that they just kind of buried. Yeah, usually it's just like oh, it was not good. Yeah, if you look at the, all the stuff that Blumhouse has has released, either on their main label or one of their side labels, they do bury things. Like there was one that came out. I don't know if it was this year, or last year, called Hurt, and it was so bad. And that was Blumhouse, and I, yeah, I, they, they they totally the- buried that. They do the same thing as A24 does occasionally. Because yeah. that, what was that one movie that I watched, that Hole in the Ground? I think that was an A24 movie. Yeah. It's like, I've never heard of this movie ever in my entire life. And that came out in 2019. Uh, well, I saw a horror movie that I can recommend that I think please you... It, please. It's called Haunt. It's directed by Brian Woods and Scott Beck. And it's, these are the two guys who wrote The Quiet Place. Okay. 
they directed this movie. I think this is their their directorial debut. They they wrote this also. Apparently they wrote this in a quiet place at the same time. And this was sort of designed to be the counterpoint to a quiet place. Whereas a quiet place is one of those elevated horror movies that, that, that somebody coined that term. And I, I don't recognize that as a, an actual term, but people use it nonetheless. And when describing movies like a quiet place, but this, this is just your straight up, no holds barred slasher movie. There's nothing going on underneath the surface. There's no like deep symbolism here. No social commentary. It's just a straight up slasher movie. And the, the Woods and Beck, they definitely wear their influence on their sleeve with this movie, which I think is to the to the film's credit. They it, it feels a lot like a, a like a Toby Hooper movie. It uh, takes place in a haunted house so it's like it's one of these haunt you know extreme haunt type movies gotcha. and that that was actually when i was we had a conversation about blood fest because i was trying to remember the name because i remember i remember Hellfest and blood fest came out like a month apart last year and i was struggling to remember blood fest <laughs> uh, when i was writing my <laughs> review for this movie and as far as these like extreme haunt movies go, this I think might've been the best one that I've seen of like the, the newer ones that are coming out. You know, you have this in like hell house LLC, which the third one just came out this week on shutter. Uh, this is, it's just pretty basic. You have a group of kids, uh, college kids who are, out to have some fun on Halloween. They stumble onto this extreme haunted house. They go in and it turns out the people running the haunted house are actually trying to kill them. And they, not only are they trying to kill them, but they also set up traps. So like every room in the haunted house has like different traps. Uh, some of them feel like escape rooms. In fact, there is like an actual escape room in one scene where one of the characters has to, you know, solve puzzles to try to get out of the room. It's simple, but it's done so well. And it's effectively creepy. The The bad guys in this, the slashers, are really, really weird and creepy. And it's all just, uh, it, it's a pared down slasher movie that it feels like we just don't get a lot of these anymore, especially ones that aren't, that that are as well executed as this. So, and also, like, the main characters weren't absolutely horrible people. Like, for the most part, they were just normal people. Oh. Yeah. So that was a little refreshing, too. Jeremy Saulnier was the other reference I was trying to think of. It has almost a green room vibe to it. Where the... Okay. I see. Doesn't, there is some extreme violence in it. It's not, like, balls-to-the-wall violent. But when it does happen, it feels pretty realistic there's one scene where one of the characters gets cut with razors on her arms and it looks so real uh, it was very very disturbing anyway uh i definitely recommend checking out haunt i think this is on vod yeah keep an eye out for that one confirmed it is uh, on vod nice i have another horror movie that I would not recommend mostly because it's just bad. And also, this is one of those instances where I got tricked 
right? Not entirely, but somewhat. So I've watched Truth or Dare, right? Yeah. I'm yeah. thinking it's Truth or Dare. It's a new movie. It's that one that just came out like last year. It's not. Apparently, there was a Truth or Dare the year before that. Too new. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't find out. <laughs> to, to, you know, I'm not, I'm not abreast of fucking Truth or Dare movies. They also sound like the same exact movie. Like, but what can you do with Truth or Dare? I mean, it's the same fucking movie. But I don't. I think this was like a TV movie. It felt like it. Uh, so this is the one directed by Nick Simon. Mm. If, if that's even a real person, probably not. And it's a bunch of college kids. They rent a house. It's a haunted house because you know years before, the wicked game of Truth or Dare. And they all died except for one. So they go there and they're like, okay, let's play some Truth or Dare while we drink some vodka. And everything's going great until they find out that, you know, you either do the dare or the dare does you. Okay? So you can't get out of it. There's no, there's nothing you can do. You got to do the dare or the truth if you're lucky enough to get a truth, which I think it's the first person that dies gets a truth, right? And the question was just, are you an addict? And the girl's like, I'm not answering that. I'm not playing this. She's already seen what has happened. Like the one guy had to grab like live wires and he got electrocuted for like a split second because he was forced to or they'll all die, right? So she had the easiest thing in the world to do, which is to just say, yeah, I'm an addict. I, you know, I'm, I'm addicted to painkillers. And then she's fine. But no, she doesn't. She can't admit to it, and she dies. And it's this movie's really bad, but at the same time, it was also kind of fun because it's that bad, and it's just ridiculous. And I mean, some of the dares are just incredible. How did she die? Did she just like keel over, or did something happen to her? Something happens to her, hmm. and I wish I could remember to tell you, but. Uh, I can't, I can't remember because in the spirit of the movie, I was drinking vodka, <laughs> but I wasn't doing the truth of dare stuff. But if someone was like, are you an addict? I'd be like, yeah, I drink vodka a lot and then I wouldn't die. <laughs> so, it's just, and there's another one too. And I can't remember, but it's something really, really simple where it's like, all you have to do is, oh, the one girl, all she had to do is <laughs> dare and you know, there's just like a pier, like on paper or something. And it just appears and it was like, tie yourself to the pipe. And I was like, what? So she goes down in the basement. And she's kind of led by like some ghost or something. You know, doors are just open and whatnot. She goes down in the basement and there's, there's rope on a pipe. And it's like, tie yourself to the pipe. And she's like, no, nah, I can't do it. So a shit ton of cockroaches come out and kill her. It's like, just tie yourself to the pipe. It's like, that's all you had to do. Like, what what would the end game be? Like, when when would the game be over? Like, how would you know that you wouldn't just be stuck playing that game forever? Well, that's the thing, is you are stuck playing that game forever. Because, honestly, the only thing that can happen is, like, one person can live and that's it. Like the, the old, old game where the one survivor was 
which is played by uh, Heather Langkamp, she survived. She was the last one left. And it was like, the dare was like, pour the acid over your head. And it was just this big bucket of acid, just like kind of slowly moving towards her. So she put a shit ton of like baking soda on her face and hair and then dumped the bucket. And she won. I mean, she kind of, you know, really fucked up her face, but she survived with the baking soda. So you got to try and like outsmart it. Mm. Okay. This actually it's sounds it sounds better than the other one that came out, the 2018 one. Oh, really? I, I don't know. I, it sounds the same, but I don't know. This one yeah. sounds like it might be better. I didn't see the the 2018 one, so I heard it was it's, bad. It's funny. It's funny because like some of them are, you know, it's stuff like that where it's like grab the wires and it's like live wires or whatever. And then the, the one there would just be like kill that person. And it's like, damn, that escalated rather quickly. <laughs> like all the other ones, they're like, you kind of injure yourself. They've made it through. And then the one's just like, kill someone. <laughs> it's just like, why aren't all the dares just kill the other person? I don't understand. Like, what is the ghost getting out of this? Why does this ghost want to play truth or dare so bad? That <laughs> sounds, you might have to give this a look. So weird. <laughs> it's kind of fun. It's ridiculous. Uh, all right, that's Truth or Dare 2017. Yeah, don't, don't make the mistake. Watch the other one. Uh, I saw Between Two Ferns, the movie. Hey, same here. This came out this weekend on Netflix. This is directed by Scott Aukerman. Uh, I, I found this to be really funny. It's stupid. It, but if you if you like the Between Two Ferns, you know, show or videos on funny or die this is basically just a long version of that it's an 82 minute version of between two ferns with a a light amount of plot added to justify doing multiple you know interviews in within this and i thought that it worked it's it's dumb but boy did i laugh I did not. I actually did not finish this. I did not like it at all. Yeah, I thought uh, I, I thought it was quite funny. The some of the jokes were just man. A lot of it, a lot of it didn't land. A lot of it was was really really silly. But I thought for the most part. I, but, but to me, the best part was the outtakes. They they show outtakes at the very end, like during the credits. Mm-hmm. I think the outtakes made me laugh more than anything else in the the movie. You might have to skip to the outtakes, man. Yeah, I mean, like if you like Between Two Ferns, like I said, if you like Between Two Ferns, and you're you're looking for something, you know, just dumb to watch on Netflix, I don't think you can go wrong with this one i enjoyed it did you just not think it was funny or like what what made you turn it on i didn't i didn't think it was funny but also at the same time for me and maybe it's been a little bit since i've watched like the original between two ferns you know little episodes and such but it didn't feel like that it felt different it just it felt like like his character was just like nastier in this movie like he was more of a like he was more of a dick and like a piece of shit and it was just like 
that's not he's not like the bumbling fool yes certainly there is more of that the interviews feel more like a roast than someone who's bad at giving interviews yeah yeah i will i will agree with that but also i think that some of the things that he said were funny like when he was interviewing i mean i did there was there was stuff here and there that made me chuckle a little bit there was a lot of really small throwaway lines too when he went to see David Letterman when he was leaving and David Letterman goes, try to stay off the grass and they're standing in his giant yard. And he just goes, he just looks around and he goes, I'm on the grass. <laughs> and when Paul Rudd said, I'm not a practicing Jew, I perfected it. stupid little smirk. I did like the way that he ate Pringles. Yeah, yeah, he loved to scarf. Yeah, scarf those Pringles when they were at the diner, and the dude from uh, I can't I can't remember his name, but from What Hot American Summer when he was the the server, and he goes, "My name's Mike. You can call me Michael." Just just <laughs> some stupid like that made me laugh. <laughs> and when he was interviewing chance the rapper and he said that he had a brother and he goes what's his name community chest the rapper (laughs) just a lot of really dumb dumb jokes like that that really got me going got me going (laughs) i'm enjoying you enjoying the movie more so than i did the actual movie (laughs) And and during the outtakes, when he's interviewing Tiffany Haddish, he goes, you used to live in your car. Is that as fun as it sounds or is there a downside? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just a lot of really great one-liners. Anyway, I, I would recommend checking out Between Two Ferns. All right, let's talk about what we have in theaters this week. We got Abominable. This is the DreamWorks animated movie. Okay. About the old uh, the Yeti, the old snowman, abominable snowman. Yeah. Eh, I'm not too interested in this. No, me neither. One that I am slightly interested in is The Death of Dick Long. I don't know if you saw anything about this. No. Yeah, this looks interesting. I'm I'm kind of kind of in this into this one. I think this is an A24. Yeah, this is an A24 movie. It's an A24 movie, huh? Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, Swiss Army Man. Yeah. I think it's just one of I think it's just one of the people. Didn't wasn't it two people that did? It's one of the Daniels. Yeah, I think I Not think both of them. Yeah, because there's two two directors on Swiss Army Man, right? Yeah, there's Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner, and this is this is Shiner. I think it looks pretty cool. Uh, looks like it could be fun. We also have Judy. This is the biopic about uh, Judy Garland with uh, cool. Renee Zellweger in there. Not too, not too into this one either. If I'm gonna be honest, we have the day shall come. This is uh, from the director of uh, Four Lions, Christopher Morris. Ooh. Yeah, I didn't know that that was that was coming out now. Mm-hmm. It is. Well, how about that? Yeah. We have The Golden Glove. We have Sister Amy. And that's about it for theaters this week. 
Let's see what we have on VOD. We have on the 24th, uh, an audience of chairs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. An audience so of chairs. I, I forgot to look what this actually is. It's based on a what book. It? It's based on a book. I'm not really sure as to the details. It says here, it's it's about a woman. It says, with her career as a concert pianist gaining momentum, it seems her beauty and talent will be strong enough to mask the demons that threaten to engulf her. Oh, well, that's... When you say audience of chairs, that's like the furthest thing from my mind in terms of potential synopsis. That's mm. a... That's a that's a downer. It it does sound like a bit of a downer, indeed. Uh, all right, we have Seeds. That's a horror movie. We have The Black String. That's the one with Frankie Muniz, with his. Oh yeah. With his. Uh, remember that that poster, that incredible oh, poster. Oh. Oh, it's Walkman. Yeah, he's got a Walkman yeah, with a, the. And a rapier. <laughs> the dagger, and the chainmail oh, belt. <laughs> Uh, and I like that it says here that he's a lonely 20-something. Is Frankie Muniz still in his 20s? No. That can't be true. There's no way he's still in his 20s. No, I don't think so. You can, you can, I mean, he looks young, so he could, I think he could get away with playing someone in his 20s. He's 34. Come on now. Yeah, he, he looks young, though. I think he'd get away with it. Uh, we also have The Field. This is some sort of, I don't know what, looks like a crazy fantasy sci-fi movie. Uh, we have Empathy, Inc. The old. <laughs> Kevin's laughing yeah. because, so we did a review for this at, I think it was Cinepocalypse last year, and so it came, this movie came out in theaters a couple of weeks ago and our review for it has just been bombarded with comments of people just raving about this movie. And I'm pretty sure most of the comments are fake. I mean, it's every single day I get some sort of notification. I'm like, Oh, a new comment. And of course it's empathy. Pink always. The movie, uh, the, the review that we wrote is good. I mean, we, we gave it a positive review, and the movie looks like it could be pretty good, but mm, I don't know about all those comments. All right, we also have Drive Me Home. On Friday, we have one that I'm very interested in called Bliss. I'm, I, this is the Joe Bagos one. We have a review for this up on the site as well. Really heard nothing but great things about this one. Sounds crazy. So maybe we can cover that next week. All right. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> That's a no. We'll see. Well, I guess, I guess, yeah, because I'm thinking back to the movies that you've already listed and none of them. So maybe, maybe we should do an audience of chairs. <laughs> or being incorporated, that that seems like a hot ticket. That's yeah. what everyone's talking about. Yeah. Well, they uh, the day shall come is also going to be on VOD this week, so that's a possibility as well. And then we also have In the Shadow of the Moon, which is going to be on Netflix, and that's a uh -huh. it's kind of a sci-fi thriller. 
Directed by Jim Mickle. Oh, boy. I kind of, yeah, I like I like Jim Mickle's stuff for the most part, so I'll be giving this a look as well. With uh Boyd Hol Holbrook and Michael C. Hall. Okay. About a serial killer who strikes every nine years. But there's That'd some kind of, Yeah, there's some kind of like time travel twist to it, I think. Alright, because I wanna I wanna I'm reading about in the shadow of the moon here. And I wanna tell you about the plot keywords. On IMDb. Do it. And did you hear me when I said that Bo Kimball Bynes in it? I, I do. Yeah, I remember seeing him in the trailer, actually. Okay. Well, the plot keywords are abandoned factory. Okay. Makes sense. This is the second one. Riding a motorcycle on a beach. <laughs> so, just give you a heads up. Somebody is riding a motorcycle on a beach. Nice. Third plot keyword, Beach. Just in case you couldn't surmise that there's a beach in play. I had to hit you again with beach. Next one, cargo pants. <laughs> and, then st- <laughs> <laughs> and then storm drain. Cargo so, pants, storm drain. <laughs> and a beach. Motorcycle on the beach and cargo pants. Oh, my God. God, I love it. Most popular cargo pants movie is... Annihilation, just a heads up. Uh, and number two is In the Shadow of the Moon. So it's, uh, all it's right. a big cargo pants movie. Okay. All right. Well, now I'm definitely going to see this. Yeah, you have to now. Those awesome cargo pants. Blu-ray this week. Got a bunch of stuff coming out here this week, including Vampires from 1998. This is John Carpenter's Vampires. This is going to be on Shout Factory. I'm guessing this is a Scream Factory release, limited edition or collector's edition. I like Vampires. I know a lot of people really hate on that movie, but I kind of enjoyed it. I mean, seeing it now, now that James Woods is like a complete asshole, I think I would not be able to get through it, but yeah, I wouldn't be able to separate the James Woods, the person from the character in this movie. Gotcha. Yeah. Anyway, child's play. This is the new one that the one from this year that's coming out. Anna, which is the, uh, action movie that came out earlier this year. Very recently, actually just a couple, like a month ago, really quick turnaround on that one. Yesterday. That's another really quick turnaround. Oh God. Yeah. Major League Two from 1994. Big fan of Major League Two. That's my favorite of the Major League movies. Uh, Maleficent is getting a 4K release. I'm sure that's because the new one coming out shortly. Arrow has a couple. They have a few that are coming out this week, including Clive Barker's Hellraiser from 1987. They have Hellbound, Hellraiser 2 from 1988, also coming out on Arrow, and then also coming out on Arrow, we have The Hills Have Eyes 2, and this is a limited edition. And um, uh, we, we should have a review for those three up. By the time you're listening to this or shortly thereafter, I'm trying to crank mm-hmm. those out. Still Ooh. got still got some bonus content to watch. In the Aftermath from 1988, this is also coming out on Arrow. This month, for some reason, they just they put all their stuff out at once. 
all on the same day. <laughs> They're all going on vacation. Yeah, like I, I, I got uh, the package from them, and I look at the sheet to see when the release dates were, so I could prepare my reviews and get my schedule and all that stuff. And I see that they're all on the same day. I'm like, come on. Uh, uh, skin from, I think that it says 2018, but I'm pretty sure that came out earlier this year. This is the one that was adapted from the short film with uh, Jamie bell. Not too into this one. It's not very good. Uh, Pavarotti from earlier this year coming out. Awake from earlier this year coming out. State of Emergency from 2011. Uh, Step Dogs. Step Dogs. Step Dogs. Mm -hmm. Yep. Step Dogs. The tagline is the tagline for this one is Fur Will Fly. Oh, man. Two very different dogs move in together when their owners get married. But when thieves try to break into their house, these four-legged foes must team up to defend their home. Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty much it for Blu-ray. It looks like Mm. there's a Nicolas Cage movie coming out called A Score to Settle, which I'm not not even like really. He's sneaking them out now. Yeah. I'm not even sure what this one is. He, an ex, an ex enforcer for a local crime syndicate has vowed to enact retribution on his mob bosses after 22 years of wrongful imprisonment. Oh boy! The only thing diverting his violent plans is a newfound relationship to his beloved son. Oh, oh. Lord have mercy! I'm gonna go ahead and say it's terrible. Yeah, that's pretty much it. There's a couple other horror movies coming out, including Mountaintop. Motel Massacre, that's on Vinegar Syndrome, it's from 1988. Stephen King's The Stand from 1994 is coming out also. And we're going to see like a bunch more horror movies coming out starting this week. Beyond Evil mm-hmm. from 1980, Fear No Evil from 1981, um, Pledge Night from 1990. I never saw that. The Vineyard from 1989. So lots of, lots of horror movies coming up. What about Criterion's? Oh, we have two. The first is Charlie Chaplin's The Circus from 1928. Got a bunch of uh, special features on here. Uh, so many, in fact, that I'm not going to read all of them. There's too many bullets there. So if you're a Chaplin fan, you got The Circus coming your way. But then one that I've never heard of, which is Bill Forsyth's Local Hero from 1983. Apparently, he put uh, Scottish cinema on a map with this delightfully eccentric culture class comedy. That also has a bunch of special features. Cool. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, consider reviewing us on your podcast platform of choice. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.